Good morning, everyone. It is Tuesday, June 21st, 2022. It is the summer solstice, the first day of summer. So happy first day of summer to anyone, to everyone. Uh, this is Blues Views with some uh, intraday comments. Uh, just kind of quickly to recap uh, what we've seen. It's been it's been kind of a strange last few sessions um, in the sense that, uh, you know, we had, we just had that steady, dr- I mean, all year, uh, let me rephrase, at no point this year have we seen that panicky waterfall type selling that usually uh, is witnessed at some point in all bear markets. We still haven't seen that, right? The VIX still hasn't printed above 40. Um, you know, the, the selling has been relatively orderly. It's been uh, steady and constant at times. It was for most of last week. Um, and, and then, you know, as we approached the weekend, uh, we had the Father's Day holiday coming up. Uh, it just seemed like a lot of people were not even in the office on Friday. We had Juneteenth yesterday. Uh, so, and whether it's just a function of that lack of liquidity and the fact that we had, you know, come a long way to the downside in a short period of time, the fact that quarter end is approaching. I mean, now it's the 21st. We've only got, you know, let's see, four, eight sessions left in, in the second quarter. Uh, perhaps people, you know, hearkening back to the end of Q1 this year where, uh, you know, we had had a very um, emphatic <laughs> bear run leading up to that Fed meeting in the middle of March. And then, boom, we had two weeks of pretty much steady rallying. And a lot of it was driven by I maybe mean, we had something like a quarter of a trillion dollars worth of pension rebalancing, uh, pension funds, you know, rebalancing into equities and out of bonds. So just like last quarter, uh, stocks are down quarter to date. Pension funds are pretty much blind to fundamentals. <laughs> they just, you know, if stocks are down for the quarter, they're going to go in and they're going to buy more. So they are buyers of stocks, sellers of bonds for the second quarter in a row. Uh, and as you can imagine, that doesn't really happen. Two quarters in a row of that is very, very rare. Um, yet here we are. Uh, so most of most of last week was a steady drumbeat uh, on the part of the bears, pushing us lower and lower. And again, you know, very orderly, uh, but we kept, it, it, it was... Again, just to use that word, sorry to overuse it, but it was very, very orderly. And then all of a sudden, around midday on Friday, the VIX suddenly plunged about 5% in like 15 seconds out of the blue. And, and it just so happened to happen right as we were about to break to fresh lows. We were right at the previous lows and literally 20, 25 seconds later, we were almost a, a whole percentage point higher in the S&P and the NASDAQ, and the VIX was like 4 or 5% lower. Now, I am i don't really care. I mean, I know there's a lots of conspiracy theories out there about, I mean, I shouldn't even call them conspiracy theories. I mean, the PPT is real. The New York Fed trading desk is real. <laughs> like, so, but I don't want to, I don't care who that was on Friday. It doesn't matter. But it was someone substantial, someone with deep pockets. Um, the timing was too perfect to be just, you know, to write it off as a coincidence. Someone with authority decided the midday on Friday that that was enough downside for now. And again, I don't know if it was the function of the fact that we had kind of a, it was a slow Friday. It wasn't going, you know, we were deep in negative gamma territory. It wasn't going to be hard for someone to push the market higher. We had the holiday coming up on Monday. Uh, it was, 
they may have decided that this was a perfect time to kind of say, hey, that's that's a bottom for now. Let's, you know, let's get this thing kind of correcting back to the upside, uh, maybe anticipating quarter end rebalancing or front running of that rebalancing. I don't know what happened. All I know is that it wasn't a coincidence. It wasn't an accident. Someone or something clearly made a play to put a short-term bottom in on Friday. And our plan at that time was to continue to sell rallies. We continued to do it last night uh, until it finally became, then we had another move overnight where the market rallied like 1% in less than 15 minutes. I mean, you just look at the five minute chart and it just looked kind of crazy. There was no news. And, you know, just in my mind, you know, I listen, I, um, anyone that has tried to short this market over the last 14 years has some PTSD. <laughs> it's been very, very difficult to short this market profitably really up until 2022. Um, and as I've said many times, the last 14 years have been the exception to a long-term rule, right? I mean, they have been an unprecedented period of intervention on the part of central banks, central banks, uh, it, the Fed in particular, we know that they have manipulated volatility markets. We know that they love to operate uh, in markets by manipulating volatility, whether it's the VIX or the move index, uh, whatever it might be, right? Um, so, yes, someone or something decided on Friday that enough was enough and that that was going to be a bottom. And, and I've also said many times the last couple of months, I don't think the Fed has any problem with lower stock prices. The Fed... Their concern is, was, and always has been, and always will be, rate of change. And again, we haven't had that crazy, panicky, capitulatory, you know, VIX to 60 or 70, waterfall-type selling. But we had gone a pretty decent uh, way to the downside in a relatively short period of time. And as I said, the Fed, you know, they are concerned about rate of change. I think that so far, if you're the Fed, and you recognize that, you know, what the, the bubble that developed in the stock market was contributing greatly to the inflationary problem. I mean, if I'm them, I'm looking at this last, you know, five, six months and saying this has been a smashing success so far. Yeah, the public hates us right now. We're under fire on inflation. But they've been trying to engineer a market correction, an orderly one, and a slowdown economically. And... From that point of view, you kind of have to look at what they've been able to accomplish. And, and again, I don't know how much of it is them directly acting or them just kind of nudging here and there and hoping that it works out. But it kind of has worked out pretty well so far. It's been an orderly decline. We've had an orderly deceleration economically. Recession does appear likely, but no one is looking for a deep, protracted recession. We're probably looking at a relatively shallow one that maybe lasts, you know, might last another quarter than people would like, but we're not looking at some big economic collapse or some big, you know, financial systemic collapse like we did in like we saw in 2008, 2009, right? So if you're the Fed, I think you're looking at the last six months and saying, this is about as good as we could have hoped for. We've we've done things that will help bring inflation down. We're engin we've engineered a slowdown in the economy that will help bring inflation down and hopefully limit the amount that they have to tighten over the next, say, you know, a few quarters, right? Anyway, from the point of view of a, that's all well and good from a bigger picture point of view. From the point of view of 
traders who are trying to, uh, you know, obviously our bias has been bearish all year. We maintain that bearish bias. I continue to believe that the S&P is probably heading to 3,400 at a minimum. That's the, remember, that's the pre-COVID high. Uh, it's just a, it's an area that makes sense to me that we would test it at some point. Um, but, you know, just taking into account what happened to the VIX on Friday, some of the stuff that went on overnight in futures, um, you know, we pivoted fairly quickly and kind of said, you know what, selling strength, uh, we still want to sell strength, but being short right now no longer feels like a, you know, excellent risk reward proposition. We've been in this deep negative gamma territory. We've had this horrible liquidity. These are things that both that work both ways, right? So they've they've helped the bears for the most part this year, but they can really work against them too. And I think what you probably have seen in the last 24 to 48 hours of market action here um, is it it's starting to work against the bears. Um, it's not that there's not plenty of supply overhead. I think there probably is. Remember, we haven't seen any major outflows from equity funds yet. Um, if you look at the longer term charts of flows into U.S. funds, equity funds, they've barely started to roll over. OK, so you can make a pretty powerful case just based on those visuals that we have a ways to go here, that this is not going to be a one month bear market like December 2018 or a one month bear market or one you know, four to six week bear market like we got at the beginning of COVID. This is probably going to be a more traditional you know, 12 to 18 month bear market type environment. Uh, and again, try to think about this from the Fed's point of view. They know that they screwed up royally. They know that they let the inflation uh, genie out of the bottle for way too long and gave it way too much power to just fly around and, uh, you know, jack up the price of pretty much everything. This is the best case scenario for them. A slow, steady, orderly decline in risk assets uh, accompanied by a gradual uh, slowdown in economic growth, slipping at some point probably into a shallow recession. If I you know, try to t look at this whole situation from 10,000 feet, I think you have to, you know, it, it, to the extent that that was the Fed's objective, you got to give them an A plus so far. Like, yes, they have very little credibility, granted, okay? But their public, you know, how they how they look to the public, how they look to Wall Street, how they look to, you know, uh, the cadre of CEOs out there doesn't really matter that much compared to whether or not they're able to achieve their objective, which is to a, a controlled drop in inflation and in economic growth and risk assets. Uh, and again, just to circle back to the here and now. It did feel like something changed at least short term over the last 48 hours or so. So, uh, you know, we reacted accordingly. As I've said many times, price action is the final arbiter of our decision making process. It's the only arbiter that ultimately matters. Our fundamental bias means nothing <laughs> to the market doesn't care what our bias is. Uh, the, the big players out there that control, you know, uh, you know, hundreds of billions, if not trillions of dollars uh, in in funds. They don't care what we think either. Our, our job is just to read the price action as best we can um, and react accordingly. So we have accordingly stepped aside uh, from shorting for the time being. Um, you know, the last few months, we haven't really had made much progress on the P&L side. Uh, and part of that, I think, has been for me over trading. 
I've been too cute the last few weeks. I've overtraded and I've probably taken 50, 60 basis points off of our bottom line just by virtue of trying to be too active, too cute. Um, and, you know, that's a lesson that I think even the most seasoned traders have to relearn from time to time. So I'm kicking myself a little bit about how being overactive the last few weeks, but at the end of the day, uh, I try not to get hung up on that. You know, we, we made the adjustment uh, in the last 12 hours. Uh, and now we're looking at, and, and again, our bias absolutely is still to sell into this rally that has begun, that, uh, that began Friday afternoon. Um, there are, again, given, given what we know about what goes on around month end and quarter end, quarter end in particular with these pension funds. And remember, there was almost a quarter of a trillion dollars in pension rebalancing buying of equities last quarter. There isn't nearly as much this quarter, at least that's what our friends at Goldman and JP Morgan and stuff are telling us, but it's still there. There's still going to be selling of bonds and there's still going to be at the margin buying of equities by some pretty big players. And I think you, you're, I think you are starting to see, we, we got down to levels last week, uh, you know, in that 3,600 range, where I think there, were, there really legitimately was some interest from hedge funds to lever back up, to, to gross back up uh, some of their exposure. I'm not sure what they're doing with their nets at this point, but it, it made sense that they probably became buyers of some sectors, or some stocks last week uh, when we got to those levels. So we're at an interesting juncture here. Uh, you know, if, if you fast or excuse me, if you rewind a few weeks, you may recall that uh, I was kind of talking about an August denouement for this bear market where uh, I felt like that was a likely time frame for us to see kind of the, the worst of this. Um, <clears throat> that that schedule began to look uh, wrong over the last few weeks, and it may indeed prove to be wrong. But we are just given what's going on here, given, again, being in that deep negative gamma territory, this illiquid market, we're during the summer months here. Um, we've had we have had a pretty solid correction. We're in a bear market. There doesn't seem to be this massive rush <laughs> to bail at anymore. There seem that there actually now seems to be some legitimate nibbling, some legitimate buying interest. Um, and all of that within the context, I think of a market that does expect lower prices to come at some point this year. So I'm kind of leaning back towards where I was a few weeks ago, which is, you know, I, like the selling pressures, the supply is still going to be there for a while. But if there's a little bit more legitimate buying interest to balance it out, we could be in one of those summer sideways chops here throughout July and into August. I, and I, I'm beginning to lean again towards the denouement being in that August, September timeframe, maybe August to October, where we do get, um, you know, we finally maybe start to get something resembling capitulatory selling. And again, this is just a hunch, um, you know, before that thing happened, on Friday with the VIX, it really looked like we were heading considerably lower in a short period of time. And again, it didn't feel panicky, but it wasn't hard. I, I, I just kind of felt like 3,500 was gonna come fairly quickly, probably this week. The manipulation of the VIX, whoever it was, it kind of changed the picture for this week. It really did. Uh, and that's not to say that we can't roll right back over here in the next, you know, I mean, we've already started to roll over a little bit. I mean, you know, you have the S&P up 2.5% today, the NASDAQ's up 3%, the Russell's up 2.5%. It's a pretty good day. You're, I mean, maybe we're just seeing a, 
a brief pocket of intraday weakness here. <clears throat> but just looking at the charts, um, you know, looking at the, the support and resistance lines, the Fibonacci levels, the channels that define and contain this bear market that we're in, <clears throat> there's no question that there is room for us to continue to move higher here in the short term. So from a trader's point of view, you know, I'm inclined to, you know, be a little bit, I'm a little more reluctant than I was, you know, 72 hours ago, sorry, in trading, in terms of trading sessions, Friday morning than I was, like, I, I was looking for chances to get more aggressively short. At this point, I'm a little bit more inclined to wait and see if we can churn higher here. You know, with every 10 points we churn higher in the S&P, people are going to get a little bit more excited. Sentiment is very negative. Um, you know, the B of A bull bear indicator uh, has been, I think it was at 0.2 last week. And again, you know, the, the last the last two years, this unprecedented combination of unlimited money printing and fiscal stimulus, it really it really broke a lot of these indicators. Sentiment has been allowed, has been able to plummet and stay there. And now in the past, it usually once you get you know below two or below one on that on that B of A indicator, um, you know once you get below ten on the CNN, CNN fear and greed, once you see the kinds of moves we've seen with this AAII bull bear indicator, it's been a very it's been consistently profitable to buy in these conditions or the Goldman Sachs positioning indicator, which was only it's like almost two and a half standard deviations below average just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I know that there were, were a lot of people who were pointing at these saying, things saying, hey, like you've got to step in and buy here. Historically, this has been very profitable and yet it has not been profitable. Everyone that's been buying these terrible sentiment indicators is underwater um, and they're well underwater. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, there were some very smart guys who are, I think, bears overall calling for 42, 4,300 on the S&P. I mean, I was one of them. Uh, I wasn't looking for 4,300, but I just was looking at the price action thinking, you know, as crazy as this sounds, given what's going on with the macro stuff, like we could go higher here. And of course, I was wrong uh, on that one. And uh, luckily, we were able to pivot fast enough to get back on track and, and, and move back to the short side. But the, the point I'm trying to make simply is like this is this really is an unprecedented situation. Um, these sentiment indicators are broken with respect to their impact on actual price action. Um, you know, volatility markets appear to be broken. Um, th that's really there's just no other way to put it. Um, I think we're kind of in and this is one of the reasons why and, I, and I've tweeted something to this effect out several times in the last month. This is uh, a more important time than ever for good old fashioned technical analysis. It's really been the only thing that's been a consistently profitable guide for traders. There are all these, you know, we've had these newfangled and, and ingenious metrics like the dicks, um, uh, you know, some, some improved skew uh, measures, uh, a lot of quantitative measures that have been phenomenally successful, uh, primarily for bulls over the last uh, most of the last two and a half years, those have all stopped working as well. It just seems like everything that was working for a long time has stopped working. Now, that doesn't mean that's going to stay that way forever, right? I mean, when I look at that B of A bull bear indicator <laughs> hanging around at 0 
that's something I think about every time I go short. I'm like, at some point, this thing is going to kick in and we're going to rock it higher right now. I don't, you know, you started to get at one point overnight and into this morning now a little bit of, you know, just given where we are in the calendar, given that quarter end is pretty much, I mean, for pretty much every month end quarter end so far this year, we've had pretty big front running of expected buying, right? This is the second to last week of the quarter. It would make sense that we go on a run this week because that front running is probably going to come in again. And yeah, we're not looking at a quarter trillion dollars to the buy side on the, in terms of the pension rebalancing, but there's still probably going to be 50, 60 billion out there to buy. And it would make sense that people are going to front run it and continue to front run it. Um, so it just seems like this week in particular, and maybe even into the early part of next week, it just seems like a less advantageous time to be aggressively short. I think if you're willing to be very patient and really, I mean, we all talk about averaging in <laughs> to positions and few of us actually follow through and do it that way. I think for people that really are determined to, uh, you know, just maybe they have a plan where they're going to, you know, they're just going to, they're going to short a little bit every time, you know, we get overbought on the four hour chart, something along those lines. People who are really going to stick by uh, sort of a, a little algorithm like that. I think they probably will do well here over the next, you know, three, four weeks. Um, but for those of us that, you know, don't, haven't had the patience of our, you know, algorithmic con convictions, so to speak, I think this is probably uh, a little bit more dangerous time to play the short side. Um, so that's, that's kind of, I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm, I'm definitely not bullish, although I do think that this rally could extend to at least 3,800. Uh, on the S&P, maybe a bit beyond that. I don't think we're going to see 4,000 again, uh, at least for a while. I really don't. I could be wrong. And remember, you know, we're, that 2002 analogy for the NASDAQ has been remarkably accurate. But I think what some people forget when they look at that is that the average bear market rally in the dot-com bust era was much, much larger than what we've seen so far this year in terms of bear market rallies. So now that makes sense to some extent because we didn't get, you know, back in 2000, the 2000 to 2002 timeframe, we had a lot of panicky, waterfally, capitulatory selling sprees. It would make sense that in that environment, you can get a 15 to 20% bear market bounce. We haven't gotten that this year though. So it makes sense to me that the sell-offs have been more orderly. The bear market rallies will probably be more orderly as well. And again, you know, as far as how is this actionable, I mean, my inclination is towards the sidelines right now. Um, I'm definitely more interested in getting short over the next, let's just say, let's just say really looking towards at least the beginning of, uh, the beginning of September. So through the end of August. My inclination is to continue to look for uh, for ways to get short, uh, but I do want to be more patient. I want to be more selective. We've been able to get away with kind of just piling on here um, for the last several weeks. And as I said, you know, I've done a crappy job of just overtrading, being too cute. You know, we should be, you know, we're up something like 330 basis points for the year. We've been trapped in this 300 basis point P and L range for the last like five or six weeks. 
we should be well into the 400s and 500s by now. And that's my fault. Uh, I just, I haven't managed our size well. You know, I've had some long positions that I haven't offset and hedged the way I should have. Now, again, as far as the Blue Shirt Plus service is, is concerned, my primary concern is not so much the paper trading tracking account that we're using, okay? It's not real money. It's just meant as a way to be accountable uh, and to share and to, and to have transparency. My primary focus uh, has been, is, and will continue to be getting, you know, more, more, like, more like the qualitative reads right on market direction. I think we've done a pretty good job on that so far this year. Uh, and we've had a couple of, uh, a couple of calls that uh, just have been flat out wrong. But I think overall, you know, our average winners have been much bigger than our average losers. That's pretty much what I'm targeting. Um, and again, I'm just more, I'm more interested in kind of coming out and saying, hey, you know, I think we're probably going to drift higher here. I think we're going to drift lower, selling rallies, buying dips. Uh, I think that the, the sense that I'm getting from talking to our subscribers is that information is more valuable than say, hey, you know, we're buying or selling five, you know, micro NQ futures here. I know that there are some people that are piggybacking the trades, but I know that there are also a lot of subscribers. The majority of subscribers are just using it more as a guide, which is kind of how it's set up anyway. So just wanted to lay that out there as kind of a mea culpa. I just haven't, I haven't done as good of a job um, on the actual, you know, specific trading stuff as I should have uh, over the last, I'd say five or six weeks. Been a little sloppy, over-traded, uh, been a little bit uh, less careful than I should have been. And we'll try to improve that going forward. But as I said, as long as we're getting the general directional reads right, <clears throat> I think that's what most people are concerned about. And we will, of course, continue to try to, to do our best in that front. I did want to touch real quickly on Mike Wilson's piece. Uh, he has his regular Monday, uh, well, in this case, Tuesday piece. He makes a very important point, which is that, I, uh, and I agree with it completely, um, with, with one addition that I'll make in a second. He His point is he thinks a recession is not fully priced in. I fully, fully agree with that. There's still way too many people out there talking about, oh, we might skirt a recession. We might get away without dipping into one. Estimates for 2022, 2023, and 2024 remain way, way, way too high. Realistically, I think we're looking at sub 1% real growth um, for 2023 and maybe even 2024. I think we could probably, depending on what inflation does, start to reaccelerate and we get into kind of like a you know, quad one, uh, Goldilocks, quad two reflationary, mild reflationary environment towards the back, to, towards the end of next year going into 2024. But I think for the most part, if you're looking at kind of like a, a three to five year CAGR for GDP, it's probably not going to be much better than 1%. Um, and that's a good thing for stock pickers. I think, you know, there's a lot of people, we've got guys out there, I'm not going to mention names that think the S&P is going to 6,000 over the next, you know, six to 12 months. There's guys that think it's going to 2,000. I think the guys that are, that are kind of saying, you know what, we might be trapped in this 3,000 to 4,500 range for a while. I'm kind of leaning towards that camp as well. I think, I mean, that's a pretty good range. Um, and that's a very wide range, which can be traded in either direction for long stretches of time. Uh, and maybe it won't be that wide. Maybe it'll be more like, you know, 30, 33, 3,400 to 4,200. I don't know. All I'm saying is, um, good stocks that are reasonably priced. Again, it's been a while since we've had stocks that look genuinely garpy, right? Growth at a reasonable price. 
We're starting to see some of that again, especially in tech, although I don't think tech is done to the downside. And, and primarily, I would target again the, the mega caps. Um, you know, bond, bond yields might be topping out here. I'm kind of torn on it. I've been in the camp that thinks the 10 years probably going to 390, maybe even 4% before it tops out. I could be wrong. We'll see. But just like with inflation, how the debate has been about the second derivative, it, that, that's been the wrong debate all year long. Whether or not inflation is going to decelerate, we all knew it was going to decelerate. The right argument, the right debate has been to talk about whether or not it's going to be higher for longer. And I think that's the same thing that we should be talking about with interest rates at this point. It's not so much whether or not they're topping out. I mean, that'll get people excited in the short term, especially for tech. But if rates are higher, for, I mean, I think we can all agree that, you know, the 10 year has sextupled, if not septupled, uh, since just after the beginning of the pandemic. You know, and again, like just the, the bond math duration, when you've got a low coupon bond with a long duration, they're incredibly volatile. They're incredibly sensitive to 5, 10, 15, 20 basis point moves. We've got a Fed that is moving in huge chunks. We, we have a bond market that is yielding six or seven times more than what it was before, right after the pandemic began. These are enormous moves and they, they will take a lot of time for the full impact of these moves to filter through the real economy. And again, I think that that's what people are missing the most. The threat to 2023 and 2024 estimates from interest rates that are around this level for a sustained period of time is very, very significant. Um, okay, I'm at 30 minutes. We're going to leave it at that for today. We will talk to you again, uh, I think probably, uh, if not tomorrow, Thursday. Have a great day.